Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel, where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. By means of introduction, have you ever wondered if it's possible for somebody to walk across the United States of America? I'm talking about from the East Coast to the West Coast, or from the West Coast to the East Coast. Well, a few years ago, a, a guy by the name of Nate set out from the Atlantic Ocean in Delaware and began walking west. More than 3,200 miles and seven months later, Nate walked across America and dipped his toes in the Pacific Ocean in California. And you thought I was crazy. <laughs> in October of 2016, a guy by the name of Pete, at, a, at the age of 29, set the world record for the fastest run across America. He did not walk, but he ran 3,067 miles from San Francisco City Hall to New York City Hall in 42 days, 6 hours, and 30 minutes. Man, don't know what these guys were smoking that day, but man, they're crazy. You know, I brought that up to say this, that I'm not, I'm not really trying to tell you to walk across America today, but my message today is three words, walk with God. That is, 2020 should be dedicated to walking with Jesus Christ every single day, every single week, every single month, every single quarter. The entire year should be completely, wholeheartedly devoted to walking with God. So if you walk away this, this morning with anything, I want you to walk away with these three words, walk with God. If you write anything down or take any mental note, take note of those three words, walk with God. I wrote down this key statement before we dive into this chapter <coughs> Excuse me, and look at what's going on here in this text. I want to share this thought with you. Your walk with God is the most important part of your life. Your walk with God is the most important part of your life. It's more important than your marriage. It's more important than your finances, than your job, than your family, than your friends, even our church here. Your walk with God personally is more important than anything else you've got going on for you in your life. Today, as we come to Genesis chapter 6, you probably know this scene going down, but the Bible says earlier, we didn't read it, but it talks about how these sons of God came down and intermingled with the daughters of man. Now, we're not going to dive in here too deep, but I want to share with you that I believe that those were angelic beings. There's some people who respectfully disagree with me with that, but that's okay. When they get to heaven, they'll find out they were wrong and did wrong. But anyways, um, I believe that they, these were angelic beings that came down and intermingled with the daughters of man, and then we discover about the giants who came in the earth in those days. But anyways, the Bible was so perverse, so wicked in Genesis chapter 6, the Bible says that God was going to destroy the world with a flood. And yes, I do believe that there was a worldwide flood that happened most likely about 4,500 years ago. We see effects of that like the Grand Canyon, like the very tall mountains and a whole lot of ocean and waters as a result of that event that catastrophic event in Genesis 6, 7, 8, and 9. But in Genesis chapter 6, we see that there was one individual or one family who God still had his hand on and God was still using, and the name was Noah. 
And in fact, in Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 9, we, we taught the, the children this verse to memorize. In, excuse me, verse number 8. It says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I do not know about you, but, by, but at the end of my life and in my life right now, in fact, this year, I want the grace of God to be showered down upon me. I want the grace of God to be showered down upon our church and upon every one of you. God's grace is so great today. God has given us Something we don't deserve. It. Grace is the unmerited love and favor of God. And we get to experience God's love and God's favor because of what he's done for us on Calvary 2,000 years ago. And here we find that this man, Noah, found grace in the eyes of the Lord in the midst of, of a wicked world that was so perverse all the way to the thoughts that were going on in their mind. The Bible says that God was going to destroy them, but Noah found grace. We read in the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke, that the Bible mentions Noah, mentions by the name of Noe, N-O-E. And in the scene in Matthew chapter 24, in the parallel passage in the Gospel of Luke, the Bible talks about how in the last days, the days will be like Noah, the days of Noah, where people be living as if life is so busy and not a care in the world, especially pertaining to the things of God. And I don't know how real it can get to us today. I don't know how real the scriptures could ever be if we just took, uh, if we just opened up our eyes and looked out into our world in 2020 to realize that, hey, this world that we're living in doesn't want to have anything to do with Jesus Christ. But I'm glad there's a remnant here at Clearbrook Baptist Church who wants to walk with God every single day. Amen. Your walk with God is the most important part of your life. In verse number nine, in fact, you may not be into this stuff, but, but I get into studying epitaphs. And, and I believe that, that Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 9 is the epitaph we read about Noah. But I want to read some to you. It says this. This was one found in P Pennsylvania. So maybe you've heard of some of these before. Here lies the body of Jonathan Blake. He stepped on the gas instead of the brake. <laughs> Here's a lady by the name of Ann Mann from December. This, she died on December 8th, 1767. And it says this, Here lies Ann Mann, who lived an old maid, but died an old man. <laughs> Her last name was Mann, M-A-N. Belinda Mathis lived from 1915 to 1985. And it says she lived with her husband for 50 years and died in confident hope of a better life. <laughs> oh, man. Hope that's none of you ladies here today. Here's one that I really like, the last one I'm going to give to you. It says, under the sod and under the trees lies the body of Jonathan Pease. He's not here, there's only his pod. Pease shelled out and went on to God. One of these days, by the grace of Almighty God, we're going to have an epitaph. And I want you to know this, that this right here in Genesis chapter number 6, verse number 9, is the epitaph that God leaves record for Noah. And the Bible says, Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah, the last phrase, walked with God. Today, church, I believe that this year should be fully committed to walking with God. Have you ever taken a walk with your spouse or your significant other or a good friend and just walked and talked? I believe every day we should be walking and talking with Jesus Christ. 
The word walk here in the original language, it literally gives the idea that you take your two legs and you start moving. <laughs> and, and in a similar instance with God, we need to get our spiritual legs moving and start walking with Jesus Christ. Today I want to share with you three thoughts about walking with God that the Lord has been speaking to me from this passage and I want to relay to you. I want to draw your attention to two words found in verse number, number 9. And then I want to share with you another thought. But the first thought for you is this. <coughs> Walk with God more righteously. Walk with God more righteously. This word, just. Would you say just with me? Just. Say it again. Just. One more time, please. Just. The Bible says Noah was a just man. This word literally means to live lawfully. That is, underneath the law of God. Noah, when God gave a law, the Bible tells us here that he lived justly, that he lived rightly, he lived righteously, he lived lawfully in the eyes of God. And so here's what I wrote down. I wrote down a few thoughts I want to share with you about this thought. Walk with God more righteously. Here's what I wrote down. A child of God seeks to live in obedience to God. A child of God seeks to live in obedience to God. That's what the word just means. May I summarize it with you? It means to obey God. Wouldn't it be great today if we had a generation of young people, a generation of Christians who just obeyed God for what His Word said? Far too many times we've seen people forsake the ways of righteousness for the ways of unrighteousness. They have forsaken the ways of God for the ways of man. And they have forsaken the path of the Almighty for the path of the wicked. We read about Noah in 2 Peter. In 2 Peter chapter 2, you don't need to turn there, but if you want to take a mental note, you can. 2 Peter chapter 2, you know, it's always interesting when you're studying an Old Testament character, uh, it's interesting to go find that character mentioned in the New Testament. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse number 5, we see that, that the Bible says that God spared not the old world, but saved or delivered Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Here in this passage, we read about how Noah was a preacher of righteousness. That is, when he was out proclaiming the word of God, he was telling people, it's time to live the way God has called us to live. To live according to the stipulations found in the word of God. To live according to the guidelines that God has given us in his law. And in Matthew chapter 24 and Luke chapter 17, we read about how, how these people, they did not care about what Noah had to say. It went in the right ear and out the left ear. And my, oh my, doesn't that what, isn't it what it seems like the world, they hear the word of God in their right ear and then it goes out their left ear. Hey, hey, listen, let's, let's pause for just a few moments. There was a time in our lives, me too, and all of us, that the word of God was sown in the right ear and it was sown out the left ear as quick as it came in. It went out. I'm here to tell you something. There was a time in all of our lives when, when we, we, we might have been listening, but we weren't hearing. And I'm thankful that there was a time in my life when the Holy Spirit of God got a hold of my heart and I began to, instead of just listen to God's Word, I began to hear it. And it sunk into my heart and God began to forever change me. And because of what Jesus has done in our lives, I believe the only way we can really live righteously is through a personal relationship with Him. Yes, you can try to obey every law. 
All 600 plus of them in the Old Testament. Good luck, man. Good luck. And let me know how it goes for you. That's a lot of laws. Have you ever read the book of Leviticus? It's a lot of laws in there. Have you ever read the book of Deuteronomy? A lot more. Have you ever read the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible? Man, God gave Moses and Exodus a lot of laws beyond the Ten Commandments. But I want you to know this. God has given us a different kind of law now. In fact, Jesus said that if I could just summarize the entire content of the Old Testament, I could summarize it into one simple word. And he said, love. That is his commandment. In fact, the, the people that came to him and said, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love God and love people. So may I summarize the whole content of the Old Testament for us today? Let's love God and let's love people. Why should we love God and why should we love people? Because God first loved us. And because God loved us, he loved me, a wretched, dirty sinner. And same for you. He loved us all. So we should love each other. That's what it means to live in obedience in 2020. To love the person across the pew. To love the person who holds to different political views. To hold, uh, to love the other person who holds to a little bit of different theological views than me or the other. To love our neighbor even when they don't know our Savior. May I also share this with you? Not only does a child of God seek to live in obedience to God, but I wrote down this. A child of God seeks justification from God. A child of God seeks justification from God. Hear this word just. I believe this word just. It corresponds to, to a New Testament doctrine called justification. In fact, the book of Romans and the book of Galatians really emphasize justification. And may I, if I could summarize it briefly, just as the, the theologians have already done it, but it just simply means this, just as if I have never sinned. And the word justification, it's nothing that we can do. It's nothing that we have done. But it's something that God has already done in us. And He has imputed His righteousness and justified us according to what He did on the cross. Hebrews chapter 11, that great hall of faith chapter, we read that Noah is mentioned here. And in, in the seventh verse, the Bible says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. A couple of weeks ago we talked about inheritance and how we, as a child of God, have inherited eternal life. But may I just take a few steps back and let you know that way back in the garden, in the Garden of Eden, the Bible says that we inherited the nature of Adam, and that is a sinful nature. And we don't have to teach little babies how to sin. They, they know how to do it because it's part of their DNA. And the Bible says the only way to, be over, to overcome this sinful nature, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God is through Jesus Christ. And this righteousness that he's talking about is we, we inherited a, a sinful nature from Adam, but we get to inherit a sinless nature from Jesus Christ. That is, when we stand before God as a child of God, as a Christian, he no longer sees that sin. He sees Jesus. He sees the righteousness and the blood of Christ covering us. In fact, in Romans chapter 5, Paul said, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. So today, church, you, you can't come to the altar 
enough times to experience the peace of God. The only way we can experience the peace of God is through a personal relationship with God, and His name is Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, the verse that Pastor English quoted all very often, and he said that, He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And Galatians chapter 2. And verse number 16 speaks about the justification of faith found in Jesus Christ. The works that we do, our baptism, our service, whatever, you name it, cannot receive that justification. We do it because He has changed us, but not to be changed in of itself. Sometimes we try to justify our sin. And I want you to know this, if you try to justify your sin before God, you will never be able to justify your sin. But if you let God step in and justify your sin for you, it will forever be justified. Amen. And here's what I wrote down also underneath this side. Walk with God more righteously. I wrote down, a child of God not only seeks to live in obedience to God and seeks justification from God, but I wrote down this, a child of God seeks to glorify God. Here we have a man by the name of Noah to our best understanding of history, biblical history. It never rained before the flood. My understanding is there was a seventh layer of, of, in the atmosphere and, and it created a greenhouse effect and that explains why these characters in the Old Testament lived to be 900 years old. It would explain dinosaurs because if you take an iguana and let it live for a few hundred years and, don't have a, and you just let it go out in the wild, then it grows very big like a Komodo dragon. It would explain a lot. But I want you to know this, that even in the midst of all that, God said it's going to rain. A flood is going to come, and the waters of the deep, the ground is going to burst open, and the water is going to gushing up underneath. And it would explain the oceans and everything. But God said, build a boat. And Noah said, Okay, God. And so Noah and his family, they got to building. And they got to building. And it took them a little while because this had to have all these animals, two of all kind. And then of the clean animals, for sacrificial purposes, they had to have seven of each. And now we have a life-size scale ark that Answers in Genesis made, and you can go take a look at that if you'd like. But anyways... Can you imagine there, his obedience, his sacrifice of his time, his talents, his treasures, there he began to glorify God. He began to worship God by doing what he said and building that boat. Now, I don't know what, what boat God has called you to build in 2020, but God is commissioning you to do, do a task. And whatever that task is, my friend, do it. Do it with all your heart because you're doing it to glorify God. Let's walk with God more righteously in 2020. Your walk with God is the most important part of your life. But may I share with you, secondly today, not only was Noah a just man, but the Bible says he was perfect. Say perfect with me. Perfect. Say it again. Perfect. One more time, please. Perfect. <coughs> this word perfect. Let me ask you this. How can Noah be labeled as a man who is perfect in Genesis chapter 6 when we read in Genesis chapter 9 that he got drunk? 
Come on. I mean, how can he be perfect if he got drunk? Well, the Bible clearly condemns drunkenness in Ephesians chapter 5. And here in Genesis chapter 9, it, the first time it's mentioned, it's not good. But here the Bible says perfect. What does this mean? Does this mean he was perfect in every way, shape, and form? Thought, word, mental? Uh, thought, word, and deed? No. What it means is he was made complete in his relationship with God. And that's why I wrote down, walk with God more completely. Not just more righteously, but walk with God more completely. This word perfect right here, this word, it literally means blameless in his time. That Noah lived in such a way that when people started to dig into his life, and they took that shovel and they began to dig and dig and dig, he was blameless. They couldn't find an accusation, that is when somebody accused him of something, that they could not find the grounds to, to declare him guilty. That's what blameless means. In fact, we read about blameless mentioned in the New Testament where, where the office of a pastor and the office of a deacon, the Bible talks about how they are to be blameless. A pastor, the leader of the flock, is supposed to be blameless. That is to live above reproach, to live in a way that there is no blame in their life. And so pray for our pastoral staff, myself and Pastor Dave, and pray for our deacons because God wants us to live blameless. In fact, as I was meditating here, I began to think about how in 2019 and in a few years, in fact, the last decade, we saw far too many pastoral scandals. We saw far too many churches go under because of embezzlements. We've seen far too many of all that stuff today. This is a new year and a new decade. So today I declare that we walk with God, that we walk with God more passionately. We walk with God more with more urgency than ever before, because, hey, we're at a war and the devil is trying to fight as hard as he can. And so here's what I wrote down. In my personal life, I will live with complete integrity before God. In my personal life, I will live with complete integrity before God. It's time, church, that we do that. Because Noah did it. He was a man who walked with great integrity. That is, blameless. This means that if you're in a relationship prior to marriage and you're sleeping around, it's time to get that right with God and not do that anymore. This means that, that if you're having... Same-sex attraction, it's time to, to discipline that mind and, and, and to get right with God and say, hey, God has, has labeled marriage between a man and a woman. If you're struggling with pornography, it's time to say, hey, hey it's time to get this thing settled and to, and to control and to discipline myself and to find a team of accountability partners to get right with God. In my personal life, I will live with complete integrity before God. Mentally, vocally, and physically. But I also wrote on this, in my professional life, I will live with complete integrity before God. It's one thing to, to live with integrity in your family's life, you know? With, with your spouse, your husband, your wife, your, your, your kids. But sometimes, here's what I've noticed in the few years that I've been alive so far, is that sometimes people act different than they are 
at work and at home. They're living a double agent life. And it's time, church, that you're the same person in your personal life as you are in your professional life. I'm done with modern Christianity. I'm done with it. I'm done seeing people that I have been some way associated with getting bit and slain by sin because they failed to discipline themselves on a daily basis and walk with God. Listen, hey, you know how it starts? You know how, you know how, a, how a spouse will commit adultery with their spouse? It starts with a slow, gradual step of saying, hey, okay, I'm going to neglect my personal time with God for just this day. And then that one day is going to turn into a week. And then that week's going to turn into a month. And the next thing you know, you're in places that you never thought you'd be. And you're doing things you never thought you'd do. Brother Andrews reminded us this morning of something that was said year, uh, sometime back. That sin will take you further than you ever thought you'd go. And keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay. Amen. And I'm here to tell you something. Sin can hit us all. And <clears throat> today is a call to holiness. Where we walk with God in a holy manner, in a holy fashion, in our personal and professional life. Some of you have great jobs, and I, I, am, I, I just admire you for it. But I want you to know this, that Jesus wants to be glorified in your professional life. Here's also what I wrote down. And here's what walking with God more completely means to me. In my public and private life, I will live with complete integrity before God. That means when everybody's got their eyes on you and when nobody else is watching you but God. May God help us. May God light a fire in our souls to live blameless, to live perfectly and justly before God and to walk with Him every day. Our walk with God is the most important part of our lives. But I also wrote down this last one. <coughs> you know, there's only two characters in the Bible that it really says specifically that they walked with God. And it's in this book of the Bible. It's in the first six chapters of Genesis. The, the, the one we talked about so far today, firstly, is Noah. But I want to share with you from my last thought from Enoch in Genesis chapter 5. In Genesis 5, maybe it's a passage that, that you've might have skipped over because it's a genealogical record. And these kind of scenes in the scripture are very, not, not, not the most fun to read because they're not very exciting. But if we neglect certain areas like this in the scriptures, then we'll miss out on some important things of the word of God. And in Enoch's life here, I wrote, I wrote down this. Thirdly, today, walk with God more intimately. Walk with God more intimately. Look at verse 21. And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begot Methuselah. Remember, Methuselah is the longest, is the oldest person to ever live at 969 years old. And the Bible says in verse 22 that Enoch walked with God after he begot Methuselah 300 years and begot sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years, and Enoch walked with God. Check it out now. Here it is. And he was not. For God took him. I know you're saying, what in the world does this mean? This means that, I don't fully understand it, but Enoch escaped death. Enoch did not die like 
most of us here, unless we go up in the rapture, or all of us here, unless we go up in the rapture, are going to experience. Only two characters in the Bible, the Bible says they did not die. Elijah went up in a whirlwind to go up with God, and here <coughs> Enoch did not die. So Enoch was walking with God at such an intimate level that God said, Enoch, your time has come. I want you to come be with me. Jude, the letter, the small epistle right before Revelation mentions Enoch, how he was a prophet of God. And he must have been such a great prophet of God in this time period that, that man, God brought him home. Wouldn't it be great if we decided this year that we're just going to walk with God in such an intimate fashion every day that we could be the ones that go up in the rapture, that we could be the ones to walk with God like Elijah and Enoch. I wrote down a few practical things of how we can get to know God more intimately. I wrote on this, grow more intimate with Jesus through Bible study. Grow more intimate with Jesus through Bible study. This means your own private devotional life. Listen, man, listen. If you're not spending time in the Word on an individual and regular basis, you need to. It's critical for your walk with God. How? Imagine this. How long do you think you can live without eating? How long do you think you can live without drinking? I'm speaking about drinking water, okay? <laughs> not alcohol. How long do you think you can live without eating and drinking the necessities that your body needs to function? You know, our bodies are like a machine. And if we put fuel in it, hopefully it's good fuel <laughs> and not the cheap stuff. But you're putting good fuel in, your body's most likely going to run better. Our spiritual walk's the same way. We have to put stuff in it every day, and it's right here in the Word of God. So develop a devotional life. Hey, if you, if you have a hard time understanding the Bible, get a devotional book that can help you, or get a commentary. Get something that will help you understand the Bible, or hello, you can always text me or call me your, and ask me your questions, and I'll be glad to help you. Also, I wrote in this, a, a, a devotional life is how you can dig deeper into the Word, but also a Bible study group. Now, we have Sunday school here. We have the Tuesday morning Bible study here. And yes, we, we make these available so we can, and Wednesday night Bible study so, so that you can draw closer in your relationship with God so you can get to know God's Word more and more and more. But it's important that you get around a group of people and you study the Bible together. Hey, I'm not saying that you have to come here to only study the Bible. Maybe God's laying in your heart this new year to start a Bible study at your job or wherever with your friends or at your house. Hey, if God has laid that in your heart, do it. And then I wrote on this worship services. This is a new year. This is a new decade. And so may we be found faithful in worshiping with our fellow brothers and sisters right here. That is, unless I'm about to drop dead and I'm in the hospital, I'm going to be right here. Now, I know, unlike most of you guys, I'm paid to be here. Okay, I get that. But I would be here whether I was paid or not paid. Okay. Because back, let me share this with you. Back when I was 16 years old, I got saved. I was working at Food Line. And there I walked in there and I said, hey, listen, um, I'm going to need Sundays and Monday evenings off and Wednesday evenings off. I had Bible study on Monday evenings and worship service on Wednesday night. And Sunday I, was in, I wanted to be in church. And so there they began to change my schedule. Now, I wasn't making a lot of money then, okay? Minimum wage as a high schooler. But God honored that, and he blessed that. And he provided me a better job in the days to come my senior year, and it paid me better, and I worked less hours. And I want you to know this, that if you commit 
to just worshiping God on a regular basis and say, hey, on Sundays and Wednesday evenings, I'm going to be in church where God's people are found to worship Him. I believe God's going to bless you. Now, I know that many of you have a high demanding job and sometimes your job demands you to be there and I understand that. But hey, maybe it's time that we understand that we have these services here and as much as you can be here, unless you're sick and about to die or you are on call and you have to be at work, be here. I also wrote in this, grow more intimate with Jesus through prayer. That is making a prayer list making out a list of people that you're going to pray for on a regular basis because if you make a list, it's going to help you pray during that time. Then getting a prayer journal. I know it sounds a little girly for all you men out there, but when I was in college, I developed a prayer journal and it revolutionized my prayer life. It helped me gather my thoughts together, helped me pray more consistently, and, and it helps me, so I know it can help you too. So get a prayer journal and start writing that out or get out your notepad on your phone and start typing out those prayers. And then get a prayer partner. It is important that if you're married, make your prayer partner your spouse. Make your devotional and Bible study partner your spouse. And then we can pray together as a church family. That's what we're called to do, right? Oh, 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 that's right. I mean, that's right. I mean, in the church, we're called to crucify each other, right? You know, when... when when so-and-so wears, wears that t-shirt that you don't like because it has that band that, you know, you, you're going you're gonna to tear them up and chew them out and, and eat them for breakfast, right? <laughs> Sometimes you would think that the Christians believe because that's what they do. But I'm here to tell you something. God has called us to pray for each other. Paul, on a repeated basis, prayed for the churches that he was associated with. And so right now today, this is a new year, new us. Let's pray for each other. That is, when our brother or sister's in the hospital or having surgery, or when our brother or sister's going through a problem in their family or their personal or professional life, hey, let's lift that person up and let's pray for them. Let's not gossip about them. You know, sometimes, here's what I've noticed sometimes in Baptist churches. Our prayer meetings have turned into gossip sessions because we spend more time gossiping about those prayer requests than we do lifting up those prayer requests to God. So new year, new us. Let's spend more time praying for those prayer requests than naming the prayer requests. Hey, I've been there. I was a teenager one time, so I knew what it was like. <laughs> when, we were, when we were a youth group, we had a big whiteboard, and man, we had that thing full of prayer requests, because the more time we shared our prayer requests, the less time we had to be in Bible study, and the faster we got out of there. So I know what it's like, but I'm here to tell you something. That's not what Christianity is about. It's about going to God in prayer and praying for those requests if we've made them. The Bible says, let every request be made known to God. Here's what I also wrote down. Not only grow more intimate with Jesus through prayer and Bible study, but I wrote down this, grow more intimate with Jesus by telling more people about him. If you've been bitten by the love bug, everybody around you knows about it. Because the only thing that you can seem to talk about is that significant other in your life. I'm telling you something. We've been bitten by the gospel bug. And that is the the good news of salvation. And while it is important to talk about our loved ones, most importantly, we need to be sharing Jesus with others. You see, if, if we say that we love Jesus, then we're going to tell other people about Him. Let's not let this year go by with at least advancing the gospel to one person that we know. 
to one person that we come across. You know, we began by meditating on these individuals who walked and ran across America. And the Bible talks about this race. And as we're walking with God, we need to understand that this is a walk not just for one day, but for the rest of our life. And I was meditating on all this, and the Holy Spirit brought to my mind Hebrews chapter 12, and I want to close with these words. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The Bible says that Noah was just, Noah was perfect, and Noah walked with God. Let's walk with God more intimately, more completely, and more righteously. Because our walk with God is the most important part of our life. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith, 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbrianratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you and have a great week.